Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. Amen. Listen, we won't be before you long this morning, but we are grateful. We are grateful just to be in this space together again and worshiping. And we know that you all are not with us, but we will be. Why? Because this too shall pass. I want to look from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. I'll read that in the New Revised Standard Version as well as the Message Bible, 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15. David rose and fled that day from Saul. He went to King Achish of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of King Achish of Gath, so he changed his behavior before him. He pretended to be mad when in their presence. He scratched marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? In the message Bible, it reads like this. And at that, David shot out of there, running for his life from Saul. He went to Achish, king of Gath. When the servants of Achish saw him, they said, can this be David, the famous David? Is this the one they sing of at their dances? Saul kills by a thousand, David by the ten thousand. When David realized that he had been recognized, he panicked, fearing the worst from Achish, king of Gath. So right there, while they were looking at him, he pretended to go crazy pounding his head on the city gate and foaming at the mouth, spit dripping from his beard. Akesh took one look at him and said to his servants, can't you see he's crazy? Why did you let him in here? Don't you think I have enough crazy people to put up with as it is without adding another? Get him out of here. Come on, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you today and we are grateful, O oh God. For how even now in this season, you still remind us of your might and your power. 
your provision and your protection. And God, we just say thank you. Even right now, oh God, let your spirit continue to move, oh God, in our lives. For God, this has been a trying time, a trying season. And we know, oh God, many things have tried you and come up short. So God, we rest in your presence and we rest in your power. Continue, oh God, to shower us with your grace, shower us with your mercy, cover us with your love. And we'll continue to honor you, oh God. We'll continue to honor you by honoring, loving, respecting one another. Thank you, Lord, for this day, this moment, this time of worship. Thank you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to read that again from the message Bible, the message translation of that passage. 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 through 15. And here's how it reads. And at that, David shot out of there, running for his life from Saul. He went to Achish, king of Gath. When the servants of Achish saw him, they said, can this be David, the famous David? Is this the one they sing of at their dances? Saul kills by the thousand, David by the ten thousand. When David realized that he had been recognized, he panicked, fearing the worst from Achish, king of Gath. So right there, while they were looking at him, he pretended to go crazy, pounding his head on the city gate and foaming at the mouth, spit dripping from his beard. Achish took one look at him and said to his servants, can't you see he's crazy? Why did you let him in here? Don't you think I have enough crazy people to put up with as it is without adding another? Get him out of here. This morning, beloved, I, I want to speak from the subject pretentious protection. Pretentious protection. David is one of my favorite characters in Scripture, and the truth is I can preach and teach about David all day long. The nuances of his story, the nuances of his personality speak to all of us in some way, shape, or form. Finding ourselves in spaces and situations that have elevated us that maybe we did not expect. Growing up in a household where maybe you were not recognized or seen by the people you wanted to see you the most. All of a sudden, your life caught up in things you did not anticipate and finding yourself in places you never envisioned. That's David's story. To go from a shepherd boy to being anointed by God for a great and high calling to lead God's people, David. Maybe you can't directly identify with David's story, but there are parts of the narrative that I'm sure you identify with. Think about his journey. To go from shepherding his father's sheep to then one day being summoned by a man he did not know for a call he never anticipated. To be anointed by the priest Samuel, the high priest of King Saul, anointed to be king while there was still a king on the throne. 
Then his world, his world almost seemingly in an instant is shifted when he goes to do his father's bidding. And, and you know this story. He finds himself caught up in a moment that, that really wraps Israel in fear because of the giant Goliath. From there, you know that story. That's a Sunday school lesson that David fights Goliath and David defeats Goliath with a sling and a stone. And his story, the, the legacy, the, the, the myth-making begins about young shepherd boy David. Saul instantly seizes the moment. He sees David's strength. He sees David's courage. He knows there's something profound about him. And Saul, the king, after David, the boy, killed Goliath, the giant, Saul, the king, made the boy the general of the army because he defeated the giant. David now is leading the armies of God, and David does the bidding, not just of Saul, but he does the bidding of Israel. He, the boy who was a shepherd, leads the people of God into battle after battle, and at the direction and under the leadership of this young boy, Israel gains victory after victory. Can you imagine those moments that must have consumed David's mind? Just the other day, he was in his daddy's backyard smelling like sheep. And now he's leading the army of Israel. He is the general, not only at the leisure of the king, Saul, but under God's protection, under God's provision, and most of all, under God's anointing. He's not just a general. He's not just a warrior. He's an anointed warrior, an anointed general. He is a king in waiting with the anointing from God. The record says that on one occasion after the army of Israel had come back from doing battle with one of their enemies, the scripture says that the people began to sing songs as Saul and David came triumphantly back in to the city. As Saul and David came after battle back into the city, the people began to sing and dance. And the singing had to be the sound of joy and revelry because once again, the boy had led the people and the king in victory. The scripture says that when David and Saul came into the town, the people began to sing a song. And I've said this so many times because I can capture the scene in my mind. Can you hear them? Saul has slain his thousands. And I would imagine in other points, I've even mentioned this moment, how when Saul probably heard those words, something in his chest started to puff up. He started feeling good about himself. Saul has slain his thousands, and it wouldn't have been a beautiful story if it didn't have a second verse. But David, his ten of thousands. But David, his ten of thousands. And in that moment, Saul started fearing David. He started thinking that David wanted to be better than him, wanted to occupy his seat. I hope you catch this. Saul started thinking that maybe David wanted the throne. He actually told one of his servants, what more does David want? Does he also want to be king? Does he also want to sit in my seat? Saul had no idea that he was only keeping the seat warm for David. He did not know that David had already been anointed for this position. And Saul was fearful. Watch this. Saul was fearful that David wanted what David already had. And that was to be the king. God had already done it. And the scripture says this line in that narrative. It said, and Saul was afraid of David because he knew God was with him. Oh, remember that. Saul was afraid 
of David because he knew God was with him. Well, from there, Saul, of course, tries to get rid of his enemy, his perceived enemy. He tries to kill him, tries to pin him to the wall several times, hoping that somehow he could end the possibility of David becoming king. He tried to kill David, and every time he tried to kill David, David was able to avoid the killing. He was able to avoid the spear. He was trying to kill what God had already anointed. Oh, my God, I hope you caught that. He was trying to kill what God had already anointed. And after God has already anointed it, how can you kill it? And there in that moment, he tried to kill David. And then, and then the scripture says that David formed a bond with his enemy's son, Jonathan. It said that David and Jonathan, Jonathan being the son of Saul, were linked soul to soul. They were friends to the end. Can you imagine when, 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 when your family sees another's gift? Saul must have been perturbed, and he had made up in his mind he was going to kill David. Well, I bypassed some of the other parts of the story, but the record says that when it became abundantly clear that Saul would not rest until he would kill David, David decided to do something that to even to this day is baffling. David ran. He fled. Can you imagine the man who slayed the giant? The giant that Saul was afraid of is now running from the man who was afraid of the giant that David killed. David runs. He runs. I've often wondered in my mind what would cause such fear. I mean, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. He slayed the giant that everyone was afraid of. And yet he's afraid of Saul. I thought about it and I was perplexed by it until I started thinking about my own life. And I'm sure if you think about it, you've had those moments. You don't really ever know when fear is going to creep into your conscience. It doesn't always remain consistent. It doesn't always linger. Sometimes when you least expect it, I mean, it often comes at the heels of great feats of courage. And all of a sudden, for some reason, fear begins to creep in. I mean, you have done great things, accomplished great things. You have done things you did not even expect, accomplished things you did not expect to accomplish. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all your accomplishments, all your attainments, fear creeps in. And fear is a strange beast because it comes without invitation. It does not wait for your permission. It just rises in your spirit. And for whatever reason, David, the giant slayer, was afraid of fearful Saul. And he runs. He does not consult God. He runs. He does not pray about it. He runs. He does not think about it. He runs. He does not wait for God to give direction. As he has waited other times, trusting in God, leaning on God, depending on God. But here he flees. He fought Goliath. He took his slingshot, his stone, stood in front of the giant. But here he runs. He recognized that when he would face the giant, he would be able to defeat the giant because of past victories at the hand of God's power. But here he runs. The strange ways of fear that disarm us, dislodge us, and discombobulate us when we least expect it. But look what happens when you begin to let fear guide your footsteps and not your strength. David ran and found himself at the priest's house, Ahimelech, in the temple. 
He leaves instantly, quickly from Saul's presence. He takes a few men with him. He goes uh, to the temple and there, when he enters the temple and the priest sees who this is, this is the general, this is David. He begins to get overwhelmed with a sense of fear, wondering why David is there. And David says to the priest, Ahimelech, do you have any bread for me and my men? Five loaves of bread. And the priest is taken aback. What do you mean? Five loaves. And the priest says, why? He said, listen, I am on a mission for the king that nobody really knows about. And I had to leave in such haste on a mission for the king that I didn't take provision for me and my men. Can you imagine? Here it is. Let me recap for you in case you forgot it. Here is the man who defeated the giant, the giant in whom Saul was afraid of, the man who defeated the giant, David, ran from the man who was afraid of the giant, and now he's lying about his marching orders. He now says that I'm here because the king has sent me. No, the king didn't send you. Fear drove you there. Fear guided his footsteps. He goes now in fear, goes to the priest. He lies to the priest, and watch what happens. Here it is. Here's David, anointed to be king, strong, powerful, gifted, a giant slayer. He says, do you have anything for me to eat? And the priest says, all we have here is the bread of presence. Now, the bread of presence was a symbol that would always stay in the temple and would be changed every Sabbath day. It was representative, 12 loaves at time, but at least one representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. The bread of presence was a symbol of the presence of God. And Israel used the bread of presence to remind them that God was their source and resource and the source of their nourishment. Hold on. David takes the bread, eats the bread, but before he eats the bread, don't forget, beloved, the symbolism of the bread. It is a sign of God's provision. I mean a provision that David knows about because it was that provision that led him to stand strong in front of the giant. But now he consumes the provision in fear. His fear makes him bypass the reality that God has been sustaining, keeping, providing. God has been his source. But look how fear can make you forget the center of your joy. Look how fear can cause you. In fear, he goes there now and he consumes the bread of presence and the men eat. And then here it is. Here's the general. Here's the leader of the army, the giant slayer. Then asks the priest, watch this. You read the story when you get a chance. He said, do you have any weapons here? Spears or swords? And this is the part that, get in that gets interesting. Ahimelech said, well, all we have here is this one sword. It was a sword of Goliath wrapped in cloth hold on David says good I'll take it freeze David you mean fear is not only ordering your footsteps but it's causing you to put faith in powerless weaponry oh God you 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 you, you. hold on hold on you mean David the same sword you unsheathed from Goliath's side after you struck him with the stone, the same sword that you then drew and cut off Goliath's head with is now, hold on, you mean, David, you're using the sword to protect you and it couldn't protect Goliath. You, 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 mean, you mean you are now trying to use the weapons of warfare of your defeated enemies. 
Oh, I hope you can get that today because there are moments in our lives we find ourselves because we feel like our back is against the wall and we start borrowing the mechanisms of people we've already defeated, things we've already bypassed, stuff we've already gotten over. We find ourselves misusing the things, watch this, using the things that did not work against us thinking they worked for us. Oh God, hold on. I'll say it again. Using the things that did not work against us thinking they'll work for us. That's why you cannot mimic the ways of the people that tried to conspire against you, thinking that if you use their ways, it'll work for you. No, if it couldn't defeat you, it won't work for you. You got to remember that here he was with Goliath's sword, thinking somehow it would offer him protection. Look at David. He consumed the symbol of God's supply while he was running. He then uses the weapons of his enemy that didn't work on him. And scripture says he goes from there. Full belly, but full of fear. He leaves there and makes his way to Gath. The insanity does not stop. David walks into Gath with Goliath's sword. I'll say it again. I'll wait till you catch it. David walks into Gath to King Achish's presence with Goliath's sword. I'm going to see if you're Sunday school capable right now. Goliath was the Philistine giant, but one of the cities in the Philistine territory was Gath. Well, hold on. Not only that, Gath was Goliath's home. David walks into Goliath's home with Goliath's sword that he used to cut off Goliath's head. Hold on. Fear literally drove him insane. Look at his movements. He lies to the priest to eat the bread of the presence. That's a reminder of the provision of God. He then takes the sword of a defeated enemy, and then he goes to the hometown of the enemy he defeated, looking for protection from a king who was afraid of the giant. When he gets there, and this is the part you have to get, they recognize who he is. I mean, the words and the stories of David had already spread. When David lands in Gath with Goliath's sword, one of King Achish's servants said, hold on, isn't this David? Isn't this the king? Wait a minute. He's not king yet. But his enemies recognize who he is. You missed that. He's not king yet. But his enemies recognize his anointing and his position, although he ain't occupying the throne. Saul is still king, but his enemies recognize. And not only do they recognize, they know the songs. Isn't this the one they sing about? Saul has killed his thousand, but David his tens of thousand. And then what happens next? David's actions catch up to his thinking. He plays crazy. 
He pretends because he believes that pretending will protect him. It was pretentious protection. He thought somehow that pretending would protect him because fear was driving him. He thought he could pretend for protection. How, 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 how many times did you allow pretentiousness to shape your actions? Maybe it was fear that caused you to pretend and not want to own up to who you really are. Maybe it was a possibility of what might happen if you actually walked in the fullness of your identity and your ability and you decided to lessen yourself and become something that was beneath who you are. How many times have you done that when you allowed the circumstance to shift your identity? Anointed, but afraid. King in waiting, but afraid. Gifted, but afraid. And instead of standing forthright in who he is, isn't it amazing how even the things you can consume don't even work for you? He consumed the bread that symbolized God's protection, provision, and sustenance. And yet, in the presence of a king, and the king has not even declared what he would do to David, David begins to pretend, thinking that his pretentiousness can actually protect him. There's so many times I know in my own life where I started stepping outside of myself, afraid of what would happen if I was true to myself. I didn't want to live and walk in the spaces that I knew I was meant for because I was fearful of what might happen if I got recognized. I, and not recognized so much by people who didn't like me, but somehow recognized by people who knew me because sometimes with recognition it comes expectation. And I was so fearful of what the expectation would be on me, I'd rather back up from my identity, back up from my calling, back up as David from the anointing so that he would not have to live in the responsibility of being who God had called him to be in the presence of his enemies. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, 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 Reverend Lakeisha, this scene is what helped his song in the future. Maybe he came to an awareness at some point that it made no sense to not identify with your giftedness in the presence of your enemies. Maybe one day when he was sitting down thinking about this moment in the long ago when he was afraid and pretending for his own protection in the presence of his enemies, maybe that's when he said, one day thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Maybe in that moment, he remembered this day, he remembered this moment, how he pretended that he wasn't who he really was, that he pretended to be crazy to escape what he thought might happen, how he pretended in order to avoid what might come his way, but maybe he was able to remember how insane pretending was if you're anointed and if God has called you and if you are who God has called you to be. Why not stand in the fullness of your identity and be who God called you to be don't pretend for fearful people don't pretend for people who don't understand your di divine connection don't be afraid of people who are afraid of people you destroyed stop pretending stop hiding stop covering stand bold in who you are 
because your pretentiousness and your fear won't protect you. It is a beautiful combination of God's presence, the power God has given you. That is when you shine God's presence and the provision of power God has given you. Oh, beloved, don't be afraid of yourself. I had a conversation with Deacon King earlier, and, and, and something came to me. Here was King David, anointed to be king, but was living in fear, acting in fear. You know how powerful fear is? Fear can make you think you've lost when you've already won. You're afraid, and you win it. You're worried, and you win it. You, you confused and you're winning. No, back up. You're winning. Why would you let fear dictate your footsteps when you've already won? Oh, God, I know there's been some folk in this season who have been terrified, who've been afraid of the situation and the circumstances and life and the pandemic, and it goes on and on. But when you're breathing, you're winning. If you're alive, you're winning. If you're here, you're winning. If you woke up this morning, you are winning. Stop pretending and stand in the fullness of the power that God has given you. Because at the end of the day, your pretense is not protection. Your pretense dishonors who God calls you to be. Stop trying to make other people comfortable because they're afraid of your power. Stop worrying about what other people think when you know who you are. Live in that space. Breathe in that space. Be in that space. And walk in the fullness of the divinity that God has showered and crowned you with. With your anointed, dusty self. Live and breathe. Take off the mask. Take off the disguise. Stop acting and be real with yourself. You know how strong you are. You know how powerful you are. You know how you know every time there are people who try to check you because they're afraid of you. It's a reminder of who you are. Stand in that. Don't forget that. Pretentiousness is not protection. Not owning who you are is not protection. Not being who you are is not protection. Your authenticity, your truthfulness, your realness, your genuineness of spirit, that is what shines. Now, I'm not going to talk about this, but after this scene, when David runs from Gath, after pretending, he runs right into a cave that God had to pull him out of. Why? God said, I didn't anoint you for no caves. I anointed you for the kingdom. I made you for this season. Don't pretend. No. Leave pretending to the people who don't have our connection. Would you be who God has called you to be? Beloved, I'm going to say what I said at the beginning of service. This is a challenging season. And there's nothing wrong with owning the difficulty of it. Don't act like it's not real. My God, there have been several mornings when I know you've gotten up and said, God, is this real? Is this season real? Is this moment real? Is, is my life real? Are these relationships real? Is, 
Is this real? And sometimes we try to fit in in that moment of questioning. And we lose ourselves because that fear that causes us to question is directing us, guiding us. And like David, we sometimes pretend because we're afraid of what might happen when people really see who we are. When they really see it. Here's a deep thing. Just like David learned, you can't hide your gifts. You can't cover your anointing. Even when you try to hide, the very people sometimes you're afraid of are the ones who recognize you. Think about that. If you don't believe me, ask Jesus. Who were the ones who saw him, identified him first? The demons. The demons recognized him when the other people didn't. You can't hide your giftedness. You can't allow yourself to be watered down. Don't get watered down so that other people can grow. Let them grow when they see your growth. Let them shine when they see and feel your light. Let them be free when they see you walking in the fullness and freedom of who you are. Pretentiousness is not protection. Your power, your gift, your calling, you were made for this moment. Don't forget that. Come on, let's, 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 let's pray before we close out of worship. Oh, yes. Let's trust God. Come on, come on. God, we just thank you today. And we honor you today. Because, oh God, there's so many of us who can identify those moments in our lives where we pretended just to fit in. We pretended out of fear. We let pretentiousness and self-deception guide who we are. But God, even right now, thank you for the reminder that you, God, are the source of our strength, that you, God, are the source of our joy, that you, God, are our provision, our protection. And more than that, you've already given us more than enough. We don't have to pretend to be something we are not, thinking that that will cover us, protect us. No, no. We can't run from our gifts, God, and you know that already. We can't run from what you've already given us, and you know that already. God, remind us even right now, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the condition, no matter what the global issue may be, that we can be who you are, stand in our strength, and when we come through on the other side, oh God, we will be stronger than we were going in. God, thank you today. Thank you today. Thank you today. 
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.